Good morning. <clears throat> okay, if there's feedback, that feedback is reverb. Yes. Number one enemy. That's you. That's me. <laughs> Number one enemy. Good morning. Magadang umagapo. It's good to see you. Uh, let's take care of a few things. One is um, basically I'm not really a, a active member of the leadership of Beyond anymore. I've stepped down as department head. <clears throat> and the reason they're not letting me travel, I told them there was nothing wrong with me. I, nothing wrong with me. Nothing wrong with me. No, no. no uh, let me, especially men. Women, some of you will get into this, but most women are wise enough not to. But men, listen to the Lord, listen to your body, and listen to your wife. Okay, no, seriously. Uh, I, two years ago, or last year when I was here, I was already on a CPAP machine. And we thought that was going to take care of the problem, but that wasn't the real issue. And I was lying to myself and my wife for about three and a half years because I had chronic, um, well, some people call it fatigue, I call it insomnia, because I was getting, uh, the last three, three and a half years, I've been getting about three, three and a half hours sleep a night. <clears throat> and I never throttled back my schedule. That's part of my problem. Anyway, um, I realized I needed to do something about that, but it was also interesting how the Lord brought everything about because about six, seven months ago, I had a long talk with Pastor Peter Tanji, who really desires a national in the headship of the department head of international satellites, which I totally agree with as a missionary. A missionary's job is to work himself out of a job. So it's kind of falling all into place. Now, we'd already scheduled a four-month home ministry a year ago, and in the midst of that, we found out that our daughter-in-law is expecting twins, this is my son in Santa Clarita who already has four boys. She has fraternal twins. One's a girl for sure, finally. So here's one thing uh, I, never thought, I never thought I'd be trying to find a minibus for my son. I'm serious on this. If any of you all know somebody looking or that, I, again, we got to look for something trustworthy, but he's looking at an eight-passenger which, you know, kind of like, but, uh, you know, I, I, I put it out to the body of Christ because you never know, you know, you, you might have somebody that hits you and you can sue them and you want to donate the van to me. No, um, no, my point is just pray for them. They, they, they have some vehicle problems. I'm actually trying to fix his Toyota Sienna, which is not running right now. I think it's just an alternator, but we'll find out. But we just want to get it running to sell it. It's been a great vehicle, but it's still too small for them. And if we could get the middle bench in, which is the, the new Sienna, they wouldn't be looking to try and get something else. But pray for them because Sherry is quite big with twins. She's due November, but she was having contractions last night. So we're just praying. Now, that's one of the things that, that Insong brought up. My sleep disorder doctor gave me real advice about you need to not travel so much right now. That was one of the reasons that we felt motivated by God to, maybe I need to be out of this position, because uh, she didn't say I can't travel, but I can't have a life of travel. And as department head, I've had a life of travel. So, um, so we're gonna be here now for about six months. Now our plan was to come here 
be with you all through the conference. I'm going to be in the Exponential Conference on October 4th, and then we're going to leave to the East Coast. But we kept praying about it, and I thought, you know, I don't know why we're going back, because really Chris and Sherry need us right now. And we actually were talking to, Edwin was helping us look at a place to rent and that kind of thing. But we've decided, even though it's a little crowded, they have a three-bedroom townhouse with four boys. So we're in one little room, a guest room. I don't know how they manage, but they do. But we really feel motivated to stay there because Sherry is, although she's off work now, the doctors asked her to quit being a nurse for this period of time. And she usually works right up to the week of birth. She's a very healthy woman, able to have babies. But twins, of course, is a whole nother ball game. So uh, what we're trying to do is get her to quit doing the laundry, quit doing you know, any kind of lifting, because that will put her into contraction. So you can pray for her to be wise, and we're going to be there. So I did mention to Pastor Insong that because I will be here for a while, surely if you all want me, I'll come on another Sunday and preach. Uh, I will be gone during your encounter because I have to go back for my own missions conference on the East Coast. I will leave D here for one week because I'm doing a missions conference and I'm doing a men's retreat. And we really felt that we should follow through on that commitment because we made that commitment before he came to the West Coast. So you can just pray for everything. We, we, we have some names that we're looking at for the new director of International Satellites. And I will be seeing Jim while I'm here. He's here taking care of his dad. So uh, you can pray for that. Pray for me and my wife personally, because 90% of our thoughts are still to go back to Manila, but we have no idea what the Lord's going to do. My talk with both Pastor Jim and Pastor Peter was that I would be involved in training department and material development, which is what I really love to do. So we're just going to see. We're going to just keep praying for us, and we'll see all that. But if you have any questions, you can always ask me. Uh, I will tell those of you that are studiers out there, in about a week, I'm going to launch my website. And my website is going to have a resource tab, which you can download anything I've put in there for for discipleship that I've developed over the years that I found helpful. I'm also going to put series of preaching lessons. So if guys want to try and don't ever take a message and teach it as though you're me. That's dumb. But don't ever try and be original either, because you're not going to be. You're going to, I pull from MacArthur and Stanley and Swindle and C.S. Lewis, you know, and then you digest what you learn and you bring it back up who you are. So it's always helped me to read when I'm thinking about doing a series. I will read a Spurgeon series or I will read somebody else's series and it will give me the ability to work best with the Holy Spirit. So once I launch that, I'll make sure everybody knows on my Facebook. Now I'm going to Again, I just, I'm on a fan page. I hate that term, but I hit 5,000 friends, and I didn't know that it shuts down after 5,000 friends. So I'm not friending anybody anymore, but if you go to my Facebook page, it will show you how to get to the fan page, and that will open the door to my blog and to my, my um, web page, which will allow you to get resources. So I, I want to do everything I can to help men and women in the ministry to work. So, thank you again for welcoming us. It's good to see you. I, uh, somebody, I guess you guys are getting soft here. I really think so, because two of the men out there said, do you find this place hotter than Manila? And I'm going, Manila's always hotter than this place. This is dry heat, Tiba. Yeah. 
Dry heat, man. Dry heat's a piece of cake. In Manila, you walk outside and you're soaked and it's not even raining. You know, it's just, it's so wet. So, uh, so anyway, <clears throat> let me show you what we're going to talk about today. It's a formula. Passion plus purpose equals mission. Now, I am, I've done quite a few of the chapters of Genesis from last year. So if I get tapped to teach some of those, I'll be glad to. I shared with Pastor Insong why I felt this message was so important. It was the missing message for our conference. Um, but I hope if you've already seen it, forgive me. But I, I need to, you to know, review it again because it's very important. Um, as we think about how we're working our life with God and what he's trying to accomplish in us. And, and again, my wife and I right now are at a great crossroads. Because this is the first time in 22 years I've even thought about the possibility of not living in Manila. Never thought that way for 22 years. I'm not thinking I'm not going to, but I'm actually open for the first time. Uh, of course, the first thing I have to do is get my sleep disorder. By the way, you can thank the Lord. I'm averaging about 6.6 .6 hours of sleep a night now. So, yeah, it's, the Lord's been good. I went to bed at 10.30 last night and woke up right around 4.30 and 440 somewhere in there and prayed. And what they teach you is once you get past 20 minutes, you need to get out of bed because you're just going to get more and more frustrated. So I prayed and then got up and spent some time doing some uh, stuff in, in, on my computer and with the Lord. So what do I mean passion plus purpose equals mission? And, and the reason I brought up the fact about the possibility of not living again in Manila permanently, that was a scary thing for me, very scary over the last few years. That's probably one of the reasons I was deceptive to my wife about my sleep problem because I don't want to lose a ministry because of something like that. But what the Lord's taught me is, no, if you'd let me handle it with you earlier, you might not have gotten yourself into any trouble. Now, I didn't get asked to step down, the reason I say trouble is because I fell asleep at the wheel in Manila and woke up getting intimate with a concrete pillar. And that was the middle of the day. This wasn't at night. That was like at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. No, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So it just got way out of hand. And so praise God I'm doing better. But I can talk to you confidently right now, and I, I want to be honest, because even though I have no idea what the future holds, I'm really confident of the mission that God's going to put me in. I'm not afraid of that. In fact, I'm not afraid of the purpose that God has given me. My biggest concern, and I'll share with it as I end today why, is my passion. My passion. Now, before I go into this, let me tell you about a man I knew, a man that I loved. When he was a very young man, uh, he chose to give himself to his government for service as a spy. And for the next 60 years, everything his country asked him to do, he did. He moved as often as they demanded. He kept a majority of his life a secret from his family. I mean, we thought he was one thing, and turned out that there were just a very few men I love when your, your computer goes wacko on me. 
a few men, it's okay, that knew what he was doing. Very, very unknown. It's okay. Kept his life a secret. Um, I knew something was wrong. Okay? Um, the gentleman I'm talking about is my father. I never trust anybody else's computer. I know. I know. I see it. But this thing's demonic. No. <laughs> Um, you know, we lived on military bases all over the world. And what got me, gang, was that we never stayed like everybody else. Every other kid that I knew, their parents lived there for three years. They did a, term, a tour duty and then not us. We, by the time I was 17, I had lived in 13 different homes in three different countries and in four different states. I went to three different high schools, okay? The first school I joined, I could pronounce Garfield, because it was in Virginia. The third high school I went to, I could not pronounce, because I'd never been to Hawaii. Lelihua, okay? So I knew there was something that didn't make sense, but I didn't know what it was. Then the Lord let some lights go on, there we are. Yeah, see, it's, see it's, 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 it's possessed, man. I'm telling you. The Military Intelligence Hall of Fame is a hall of fame established by the Military Intelligence Corps of the United States Army in 1988 to honor soldiers and civilians who have made exceptional contributions to the military intelligence. The hall is administered by the United States Army Intelligence Center at Fort Huachuca, Arizona. In 1991, my father was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Now, that really kind of blew me away. And I said, okay, I knew my dad was not normal army. I knew that there had something to do with spying, but okay. So then I got to know him real well, okay, because he opened up to me. I was with him at his deathbed in hospice. But I, even there, uh, the file that he opened up to me really blew my mind. But then a year later, a friend of his who was actually his disciple, okay, he was part of my dad's what they call crew. My dad had trained him. He was a friend also. We would golf together. He was about 15 years older than I was. He was a young man with my father. But he went to the ceremony in 2005. And because they spoke about my father, he sent this to me. There was a couple of somber moments during the induction ceremony, including when three retired inductees that had passed on were remembered. The officer that remembered Chief Warrant Officer Robert A. Lee pointed out that Lee served with the Office of Strategic Services during World War II and helped form the CIA. Now, I knew my dad was a spook, but I didn't realize how deep of a spook he was. Okay? And actually, when I realized that my father had helped form this agency, I got a little nervous how I used to talk to him as a teenager, you know? I mean, he could have made me disappear and nobody would have had any questions, you know? So, so it really got me. Now, I want you to understand this. You, you all, if you've migrated, you all are people from a foreign nation that have migrated. Some of you have even become citizens. I hope you're still patriotic to your home country. I really do. I know I'm very patriotic to America. 
Okay? Now, understand something. That doesn't mean that I agree with America because my citizenship is much different than America. My citizenship is in heaven. But I want to say something. I've always been proud of what my father did. Okay? Always, always in my heart. I was very patriotic about what my dad did because his mission was to protect the security of this country. But as noble as that is, I'm gonna tell you something. Every one of us here has a much higher calling than that. It's much more noble, folks, and it's not temporal. Everything my daddy did ends when this country ends, and this country will end. Our calling is to a person and to a perspective that is the almighty and is eternal. And my father's passion drove him and brought purpose and mission to his life. And what I want to do is I want to take those three words, I want to define them and show you how they work together. So let's first look at the word passion. Passion is what burns inside an individual, okay? Now get this, because see, a lot of us, every time we think of the word passion, we fall too quickly to the idea of sin. God wants to create a passion in us for him that overwhelms every other drive we have in our being. Do you understand what I'm saying? That means even your good passions. You know, yesterday we were out at some beach in, up in Northern California, about an hour out of, towards Santa, out of Santa Clarita. My son took us out to a beach, and they were just beautiful area. And there were houses that were right on the beach. And there is an, a moment that if I look at one of those houses, I don't think, oh, Lord, I really wish I could give my wife that kind of thing, because it's a nice thing, yeah? It's not a sin to think that, right? No, it's not. But here's what my question to you is, is if God says, but Nathan, that's not what I've called you to do. For you to do that, you've got to be working a job that's going to pay you six figures, and you're going to have to live in America, and you're going to have to be involved in this world, which does not mean you don't have to be committed to him. There are people that God has called to have that kind of salary at that kind of lifestyle, and still they are fervent for Christ. Now, I'm sad to say they're getting fewer and fewer. But a lot of the first millionaires in America were firm believers. And that's one of the reasons they were given the ability to make the money that they made, was God honored what they were doing. But God wants a passion burning inside you so overwhelming that every other drive, even if it's a good drive, especially the sinful ones, but even the good ones, they take second place to him. Then there's the word purpose. Purpose is not something to do, and I think that's a real problem. I think the way I've read too many people who've defined purpose, it has something with to do. Purpose is not something to do, it's something to be. And here's what I want you to get, and you need to get this real good. Our God is so mighty and so absolutely powerful 
that even though there are 7 billion plus people on this earth, he could take each one, if they were willing, all 7 plus billion, and give each one of them an individual unique purpose that no one else can fulfill. God's not interested in a few leaders with a bunch of clones. That's called Nazi Germany. Okay? God is so powerful. In fact, my wife has helped me constantly realize that God is serious about this because she looks at me and she goes, Nathan, I've never met anyone like you. And I know that I'm, I'm unique. <laughs> Joke long. <laughs> God desires to make us someone that is unlike anyone else. Now, one of my favorite writers, and I don't know if he was a Christian, he wrote a lot, a lot of his writings had God in it, but he made a tremendous statement. The two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Mark Twain. The two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Now, just because I happen to be born again, and because the influence of the Word of God has given me eternal perspective, I want to paraphrase and change just a little bit because Mark Twain's not inspired, so I'm not doing anything that's forbidden. Okay? The two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why, which can only happen the day you meet and enter into a relationship with your Maker. See, the only one that can show you 100% what you're here for is the one who made you. So the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why, which means you were born again. And when you're born again, it's up to you, but if you're willing, God will show you exactly from what you need to know, not everything, because he's all-knowing, but he will show you that will give you a great peace of your heart, peace to your heart. This is what you're here for. Okay? Don't spend your life wasting it pursuing all this other garbage. This is what you're here for. You can have lots of other things going on in your life, but don't let them overtake who I intend you to be. Then we come to the word mission. Any important task or duty assigned, allotted, or self-imposed, a purpose that is accompanied by strong conviction, a calling or vocation. Now consider our Lord. Now I want you to get this. Here's Jesus Christ on the cross. He has done everything <clears throat> that anybody could ask of him. In fact, more, because he didn't deserve the cross, right? So he's on this cross He's, he's gone through the, the wickedness of man, the wickedness of Satan, and now he's enduring the wrath of his father because that's the payment. That's what he really was concerned about in the garden, by the way. The physical pain wasn't near the issue to Christ that the spiritual anguish was going to be. But on that cross, he still remembers. Now check this out. There is one more thing. Now this was not the last thing Jesus said. There is one more thing that I must say 
to fulfill the prophecy about the Messiah. Before we read it, let's commit the time to the author. Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit of God, will you please open our hearts. Find fertile soil to plant your word that we may grow and see the fruit of Jesus Christ in our character. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. Okay, you've done everything. You went through the three hours of darkness where God poured his wrath and made his son sin for us. His son became sin. But, it says, and to fulfill the scripture. What? I am thirsty. What? I've got to say it. See, now you're going to go encounter with God, and I hope that it's, it's reflected in, is that going to be the Father's love and the, okay, great, great stuff. And I always taught the cross. I love teaching the cross. But one thing I've adjusted to make sure that people understand, Jesus Christ did not go to the cross primarily because he loves you. That's, that's what the world's teaching. Jesus Christ went to the cross primarily because he wanted to please his Father. It was a passion with him. Now, that doesn't take away any of the love, folks. By the way, that shows you who the Father loves also. Jesus Christ wanted to please the Father. What pleased the Father? That my son would be sacrificed for each human being. Whether they received the forgiveness or not, Jesus paid for their sin. In fact, the sad part about limited atonement people is they don't understand how they insult the grace and mercy of God Almighty. Jesus paid for every sin. You can play with the Greek all you want and make it walk on all fours. Scripture is very clear. The book of life is opened at the white throne judgment seat where no one goes to heaven. Why is the book of life opened up? Because their name has been blotted out. Why? Because they died outside of faith. All they had to do was receive it. Why? It was already paid for. But they didn't receive it. This passion so burned in Christ that while on the cross, about to die, I mean, he must have, I can't imagine the physical anguish that was going on. He still remembered, I must complete the mission. Which is what? It was prophesied that the Messiah say, I thirst. So, how do these three work together? Let's talk about that. Begin where God begins. You see a Tagalog word there? Yeah, puso. Yeah, and we're talking Tagalog, huh? Not Cebuano. I'm not talking about rice. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I preached in, I preached in Cebu. God wants your puso. And they said, Pastor, what? You telling me God wants my rice, Okay. <laughs> When we talk about your heart, your pusol, we're talking about the seat of all you are. Not some uh, organ that beats, not just your thoughts, not just your emotions, everything that you are. Okay? Now that's where God begins. He begins when he says, okay, I want you to have a passion for me. He starts with your heart. And there's three things that he's communicated very clearly about our heart. Number one, God placed in our heart the reality of eternity. You know what I find very interesting? I've never found a child 12 years or under that has a hard time thinking about living forever. 
Oh, do you think it's possible you're going to live forever? Yeah. See, you have to go to college to get dumb enough to stop believing in that. That's what you have to do, yeah. You got to go there and let them brainwash you that, no, no, you're just, there was cosmic gas. And you became an amoeba, and you finally crawled out of the slime, and look at you now. You're so smart. Look. Have you ever thought about why it's so difficult to think backwards? See, if we were people of eternity, we could understand no beginning. But only God can understand no beginning. I don't know about you, but when I start trying to think about under, there's no beginning at all, I'm, I'm catching fake butterflies. Because why? My brain is frying. I'm a finite being who's eternal. I'm not an infinite being like God Almighty. So he has no problem thinking this way. But, but here's what's funny. The minute I got saved, I had no problem at all thinking that way. In fact, before I came into Christ, I really did believe that when my body stopped, I went on. You know why that is? Because God says, I've put in your heart, inside your heart, beats the eternal perspective. Secondly, our heart is what God measures us by. Now, you need to get this. You need to get this real good, especially you young men, okay? When I look in the mirror, okay? Now, when I look in the mirror, there's two things, I think. The first one, I've already told you before. So all you young guys, you look at me. This is your future. <laughs> you may not like it, but you're going to deal with it, okay? Okay? Yep. The, the pecs migrate to the abs, whether you like it or not. You can pump all day long, okay? But here's on a serious note. When I look in the mirror, if I saw the richest Mel Gibson, that's who I think is one of the best-looking men I've ever seen. If I saw him, listen to me, I realize that to God that means nothing. Because God looks at the heart. Remember what he told? You can read it. It's there. He told Samuel, when you go looking for God's man, don't look on the outside like everyone else. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. That's what he says. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Whatever accomplishments you have in your life, folks, it does not matter in comparison to a heart that beats after. I don't care if your name is Peter Tanji and you built the largest building that has the largest congregation in the Philippines. If you didn't do it with a heart of God, which I believe he did, but if you didn't, it means nothing to God. God is not into human glorification. God is into you living a life that burns for him. And it's not because he's egocentric. It's because he knows it's what's best because he's perfect. If you live to seek after him, you will seek excellence in your life. And thirdly, God knows what has our heart. Young people, please listen. Why you say young people? You know why? Because when you're 59, you look back and you go, stupid, stupid, stupid. 
because there were things you went after that weren't that important. You spent time in things that just were a waste. So listen to me. What has your heart? A car, sex, a feeling, a degree, a career. What has your heart has you. God knows that if you put your treasure in him, that's where your heart is. That's where your heart is. My wife doesn't know this, but one of my men that I respect the most just wrote, he emails her, but he always sends it to my address, so I had to forward it to her. Yeah, I keep wanting to write back, hey, stop flirting with me. But anyways, he's not. It's a great friend of ours that was the head of our mission back when we were with Grace Brethren. But he wrote her and said that she's, a, she, I had Dee Dee finally start doing a, she's, she's doing a part of a newsletter with me because I put newsletter updates out. And he wrote and said, you're a very good writer. But he said, I'm so happy that you're experiencing a new time in your life. And what he's talking about is he knows that she's going to be here for the birth of her twins and we're just going to be settled for a while. And, and what he knows and I know is that most women are homebodies. They're not interested in being a gypsy, moving from tent to tent to tent. And I regret that one aspect, that when she married me, she didn't know I was a gypsy. I probably, because I didn't have an earring or something, I don't know. But, but here's what I'm getting at, and this is important. My wife's treasure, and I'm not trying to, but my wife's treasure has been in Christ. Not in me, by the way. Because if it would have been in me, we wouldn't have made it. And it's not even with her kids, because Dee's pretty honest sometimes with her children, and they don't like it. It's the Lord. And that's why, I guess for the first time in 22 years, I feel strange. Because for 22 years, I've known that God wanted me to be in Manila, and now I'm going, okay, now I really don't know what you want. I'm not afraid. But the key is, Nate, make sure your treasure is still the Lord. Because wherever you are, if your treasure is the Lord, you're going to be fine. Now, I'm going to show you how that works. Because now we move into two other areas quickly. When our passion for God controls our heart, it produces the path to our purpose. Okay, this is why being controlled, filled with the Holy Spirit is so essential. Don't misuse that word the way the hypercharismatics do. You do not get more of the Spirit. That's not true. The Spirit gets more of you. He gets more control of you. You are being filled by Him, okay? When we are yielded to the Spirit of God, we can begin to see our lives from what? From God's perspective. See, some of you freshmen or, or sophomores or juniors, you got this, oh, this way I'm going to get, and then I'm going to get done with college, and then I'm going to go to the mission field. I'm going to serve God. And tonight, when the blood moon happens, rapture is going to take place, and you're not going to make it. What do you mean? Okay, I don't believe it's going to happen, but I hope it does, you know. And I know all you singles out there are cursing me, okay. No, Lord, not till I'm married. I understand that. But I'm 59 and I've got mine. So pfft, anyways, <laughs> right? I'm going. <laughs> no, I'm just joking with you. But I understand that feeling because I was single. And the guy says, I hope the Lord comes tonight. I go, I just hope you drop dead, you know. Because I want to wait and get married, man. I want to experience. Okay, I understand that. But here's what I'm getting at. It doesn't matter what you intended to do. 
five, ten years from now, folks. If you're a high schooler and you can't encourage your teacher by doing your homework, you're already failing. What do you think you're going to do by going to some foreign? I'm a foreign missionary. So what? See, you may not get there. You know, Paul Tanji, he just lost his brother-in-law. Stephen Reed was one of my daughter's closest friends in high school. 30 years old. Life just beginning. He dies in an accident. Love the Lord. He wasn't out in sin. He was loving the Lord. You never know what God's going to do, folks. You don't know when Jesus is going to pop the cork and say, I'm done. We're not having any more of this. I'm bringing the church home. Because he says he's going to do it. The real issue is, do you see your life right now? I'm a high schooler for Jesus. I'm a college person for Jesus. If you see it, you've got the right perspective. Okay? You don't got to go do something. Just be what you should be now. Now look what Paul says here. He puts it so succinctly. You can read the whole thing. Go ahead. I'm going to tell you what's about. Paul's talking about, is it better for me to be here on this earth or in heaven? Well, for me personally, I'd rather be in heaven. That's what Paul's saying. And if you knew his life, you'd, you'd not wonder why. The guy's been beaten. He's been, I mean, stoned. He's been bleh, flogged constantly. Okay? But he says this, but it's more important for you that I stay. And that's, this is a chapter in 2 Corinthians where we get that great statement. So to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But notice how succinctly he puts our purpose, folks. Listen to this. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home, whether in the body, still alive, or absent, dead, gone to heaven, to be pleasing to him. What? Now, how, how complicated is that? Nay, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Be pleasing to him. What? Be pleasing to him. What? Don't smoke dope. Don't jump rope. Okay? Don't be going uh, dirty surfing at night on your computer. Don't be disobeying your mom and dad. Don't exasperate your children. Don't be the boss of your wife. Don't rebel against your husband. I mean, there's some pretty simplistic things right there, folks. Only one wife, you know? You're, we're not rabbits. It's only one, only one. And that's not that complicated. God didn't make it real difficult. He didn't make it Adam and Steve. Okay? No, but he didn't. We don't have to complicate it. Yeah, but when we clap, let's make sure we got compassion because there's people that are being twisted and they're not walking around like little demons. They think they sense a real love. And I hurt for them. Because they're missing what God had intended, just like the adulterer has. Just like those that fornicate before marriage. So let's be careful. I, I appreciate, but you know what? A lot of homosexuals feel beat up because they only hear us clap like that, but we, they don't, we don't clap when we're sick of adulterers. God's just as disgusted with a liar as he is with a murderer. Because all have fallen short of the glory. Are they both socially the same? Of course not. When I lie, I don't take somebody's life and destroy a family and all that. I understand that. But get the point here. Here's the individual purpose. I'm going to show you the corporate in a second. God is so 
Guys, we should, you know why, you know why Christians complicate the Christian life? Because it makes us easy to make excuses for not doing it. See, when it's that simple, you know, well, you know, uh, well, well, my back hurts. Well, my back hurts. Okay, well, just, just sit down. Okay, thank you. Okay, boy, that was tough. <laughs> Doctor, it hurts when I do, well, don't do this, you know, right? I mean, I know that's a dumb diagnosis, but the point is, let's say every time you do this, it hurts. What should you do? Don't do this. That isn't rocket science, okay? God has not made Christianity rocket science. What is my purpose? To please him. Wow, that's all? That's all. Now, look at the corporate purpose. Not only does God give us individually, he gives us corporate. Make disciples. What? Just make disciples. What? Find learners and teach them. Last two statements Jesus Christ made. Publicly written, okay? He spent 40 days with his men. We don't know everything that he said. But right before, okay, the book of Matthew ends, he makes a statement. I want you to go everywhere you can and teach. Or even better, wherever you go, teach. And then in Acts, he says, you're going to be my witnesses. Even to Los Angeles. You may be from Manila, but it may be ending up in Los Angeles. And some of you may not even stop here. Now, here's the thing, and I'm going to come back to this, okay, on this idea of disciple in just a second. But don't overcomplicate discipleship. Just remember that when I come back to it in just a few moments. I want to first tie this all together. When our passion and purpose become a reality, then we will sense what? Our mission. Now, I hope you're starting to see something, because I've already hinted at. Mission is from who? Purpose is from who? See, that's the interesting part. When our passion, our passion, which then opens the door for purpose, which then leads directly to our mission, okay? What do you mean? It becomes a reality. What do you mean? Here's what Paul says. I cannot boast that I give the good news out. Why? I'm compelled. Why? Everything in my heart drives me to talk to people about God. That does not take away politeness. It does not mean be rude. It doesn't mean be weird. Okay? A lot of Christians have no witness because they're weird. Okay? You're my new neighbor. Welcome to the neighborhood. I'm Nathan. If you died tonight, do you know where you'd go? Isn't that kind of weird? I mean... Honey, we got to move. What? I mean, we just, we're, we're next to a serial murder. The first thing he, I mean, that's weird, folks. But let me tell you something. If you shake his hand and you aren't thinking, Lord, where's this person's eternity? Then you have lost your mission. You don't always get to share the gospel with people. My wife got to share with a woman on the plane. I prayed for her four times, okay? I, I, I put myself on an aisle seat and Dee was on an aisle seat and Dee Dee had a girl over here and I had an empty seat and I talked to the guy but he never responded. But anyway, <laughs> she started talking to this woman and this woman, you know, I mean, I don't know what she was toting before she got on the plane but it seemed like something because she was talking about the stars and the gods and the, 
you know, and it was all way out there. But you know what my wife did? She just was a very nice person, and the lady really liked talking to her, and Dee was able to share with her about a personal God. Without, she didn't get too far, because, well, I believe that, you know, I'm, okay, great. But you know what? The woman probably got off the plane and said, that's what a Christian is. She was just nice to me. She talked to me about a personal faith. She didn't try and force something. If this plane crashed right now and you burned alive, do you know where you'd go? <laughs> Here's what you need to get. Look what Paul says here. But I have no choice, for God has given me this, oh gosh, folks, sacred trust. What? I, like you, I, Nathan Lee, a sinner, saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, have been entrusted with a tremendous sacred trust that I know how you can live forever with God. Now, let's add that. Stop saying that you can live forever because they're going to live forever. That's what's so terrible about hell. Everyone is going to exist forever. But you have the joy of saying, do you want to know how to live with God forever? Wow. Now, the problem is we've allowed our corporate purpose to be complicated. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, the sad thing is even the verse that we use as navigators to tell everybody, you need to be discipling, we have allowed to be taken and twisted. And people say, well, pastor, I, I can't disciple. Why? Because I don't have the gift of teaching. Well, see where they get that? Who will be able to teach others also. I don't have the gift, but that's not what that says. Listen to me. The emphasis is on you commit to what? Faithful men. What do you mean? You find other believers who have a passion for Christ. And the actual Greek of those three words, will be able, it, it actually means this, to be in the position to tell them. Now let me show you what I'm talking about. Hey, Timothy, come here. Okay, Paul, yeah. Timothy, I want to teach you part of the alphabet, okay? A, B, C, D. You got it? Yeah, say it. A, B, C, D. Okay, you got it. So Timothy starts down the road. He bumps into Titus. Hey, Titus, what are you doing? I'm getting discipled, man. Are you? Yeah, I'm learning the alphabet. What have you learned? A, B, C. Oh, I got, let me disciple you. A, B, C, D. How hard was that? Did you know that in the church of Jesus Christ, we've blown it by separating evangelism and discipleship. Did you know that's not in the Bible? In the Bible, it's all discipleship. There's a section at the front called evangelism. What do you mean? It's when I'm telling you something that you don't know. And what is that? Well, I just came to know Christ at an encounter weekend. And I go to work on Monday and somebody says, why do you look so different? Well, I just, I've come into a relationship with God. What does that mean? Well, wait a minute. I got to go get my doctorate before I tell you. No, you don't. Well, I got to go through foundation books, one through five. No, you don't. Why don't you just tell me, well, I learned I was a sinner and that my works can't save me. 
and that God expects perfection. And I realize I can't live a perfect life. But then he sent his son. And his son lived a perfect life. And then he offered as a sacrifice. And then he gave me the choice. Would you like to be in a relationship with me or not? How hard is that? How complicated is that? Discipleship is just telling someone who knows one thing less than you. You know, my father and I got into it several times about me taking my family to a place like the Philippines. It's dangerous there. You know, he's a spy. What do you expect, you know? And finally, about the fifth time we talked, we never fought, but he was very distressed. Dee and the kids were in the living room, and I told him, I said, Pop, you know, I've always respected what you did, but let's be honest here. You did what you did because you loved your country. Yes? He said, yeah. Pop, how can I do anything less for a person who sacrificed a son for me? We never talked about it again. It's like a light went on inside that, okay, this is a passion that burns in my boy. I can't put the fire out. Now let me close with two important truths. And they're very important about your mission. You don't have to have all the answers. Well, Pastor Insong, if we have an encounter, what happens if we double our attendance? Where are they going to all sit? Well, I guess we shouldn't have an encounter then, right? Because, I mean, I, I, Ensong's a pretty smart guy, but I don't think he has the answer to that. That's, see, that's not under his job description to figure it all out. And I don't know about you, but this is a huge release for me. I don't have to have all the answers. The, the text that I always use, it's one of my favorite is Paul and them are trying to get into Bithynia, and they're trying to get into Mesia. This is in Asia. And the Holy Spirit won't let them get in. And they don't go, oh, let's stop. Let's have a seminar to figure out why. Let's do a conference. No. What do they do? They just keep moving. Okay, can't get into Bithynia. Okay, we'll go down there. Can't get into Mesia. And what do, they end up getting to Troas. And what does God do? Macedonian call. What they do? All they did was that which was normal. Now, let me give you a quick illustration, and you're part of the, the answer to that illustration, okay? Peter Tanji did not plan to plant churches with migrating Filipinos. That was not his plan. I mean, when Peter said goodbye, you can ask him. He said, Palam. I mean, he figured you're gone. It wasn't because he didn't like you. It's because he was focused on one thing, planting satellites in the Philippines. This is what God has done, and you all have seen this. Did you know they're now up to four services? Not three, four. That's 40,000 people approximately on Sundays coming to one. And I don't know if you know this, we have over 40 satellites in the, in the Philippines right now. 40. Then you take the guy he got to be head of the mission department, beyond, Jim Welchel. Jim was not thinking about following migrating Filipinos to plant churches. Jim was thinking, I'm going to try and impact two countries, India and China. You know, Jim thinks small. That's half the population of the world, you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, he, 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 couldn't, he couldn't pick the Bahamas or something, you know. No, okay? 
But look what they've done. Okay, 5,000 house churches in four years. Over 700 pastors are trained. Now, here's the point. Nobody was looking for migrating Filipinos as possible CCFs. But because Peter Tanji loves Jesus, and because Jim Wiltshire loves Jesus, and they just kept doing what was natural, here's what God did. He goes, I know you guys love me, and when I put the lasso out and grab you, I'm going to pull you right over here. And that's what happened. All of a sudden, there's all these emails coming in. We want a CCF here. We want a CCF there. We want to, and, and our answer is, we'll do it. What? Do it. We're not going to come and do it for you. You do it. And if you start to do it, we will join with you and help you. And this is what you all have done. We have CCF Los Angeles, CCF Toronto, Vancouver, Edmonton, I heard's going to happen. Saskatchewan, you know, there's some mentally warped Filipinos, man. Saskatchewan. Yeah, Danny, you've been there. You should have seen the first time Danny and I went to Saskatchewan. 47 minus 47. And he looked at me, don't you ever bring me out here in January. <laughs> yeah, but it was so great because he did it outside and within five seconds he was stuck like this. He couldn't, no. I mean, it's the coldest place I've ever been in my life, man. CCF Singapore, Sydney, Auckland, Qatar, Dubai, Brunei, Abu Dhabi, Riyadh, Jeddah. We even have a cruise CCF. Yeah. The guy's reaching Filipino workers on cruise ships, and they're having Bible studies that are actually impacting the tourists. Why? Because you had men that just love Jesus and just keep doing what God's calling them to do. You don't got to go find it all out. How, what do we do with all these Filipinos that are writing us? Just encourage them. And when they encourage them, you guys, the other guys, the men and women of those groups came together and started a satellite. Now here's the last thing. You can experience real peace. What do you mean? When you are on the mission with God, he promises you, and a lot of people seem to forget this part of Matthew 28, I am with you until the very end. Get that. The next time you tell me you're alone, I'm going to call you a liar. You want to tell me you feel alone, I'll identify. I have felt alone. But if you're a child of God, you are never, ever, ever, ever alone. Now, if you're a child of God in L.A. and you want to sit at home and complain about being lonely instead of joining fellowship, I will say you've, you are alone because you've made yourself alone. The reason we push small groups is because God made us for community. And these Christians who don't go to small groups, aren't you so lonely? I'm so, well, why don't you do something about it? Really, it's, it's like these guys in Manila I work, well, I'm just tired of being a single. Well, go find a woman and ask her. <laughs> Whew. I know, I've gone to preaching now. Okay, let me finish. I'm gone over time. Look, let me give you two great examples. Paul is about as beat up as you can get in Acts chapter 23. He's alone in a cell in, in Rome, and I'm sure he felt as alone as you could get. And yet the Lord says, no, 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 no. Even if it means a special appearance, Paul, this is very rare, what Jesus did. That night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, be encouraged, Paul. 
just if you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news. But my favorite is this guy. James has been beheaded. Peter gets thrown in jail. Now, come on, think about this, folks. Peter's in jail. You know what he knows. Tomorrow morning, they're going to come, and they're going to lop my head off. Now, what would you, look at what it says. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was, what? What? If it were Nathan Lee, oh, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, right? Grab the, grab the, 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 the jail, in Jesus' name, open, right? <laughs> this guy's asleep. Not only is he a little asleep, notice this. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter. He still didn't wake up. And the angel, what, kicked, uh, get up, man, I'm trying to rescue you. I don't know about you, but that's incredible peace to me. That you could know you're about to go into eternity. I don't care how much eternal security you have. As a human being, there's always that element. What if I die and I appear before Mr. Bedata Head? Uh-oh. That's always going to be there, folks. If you got 100%, it's not faith. It's sight. So there's always, every martyr I've ever read about, their knees were still a little shaky, even though they knew where they were going. Because we're human. So let me leave you with a challenge to consider this week. And I want you to think about this. God has given us a clear purpose. He's entrusted us with the mission to share the good news wherever we are. He has promised us guidance and to be with us all the way to the end. Now notice, our only concern is our passion. See, this is what I tried to get across to you as we began. The Holy Spirit desires to fill our heart with a passion for God. Notice what it says. If we guard our heart, look, you don't got to worry about the mission. You don't got to worry about the purpose. Why? They're all gods. There's only one thing you have to guard. Your heart. And you can trust. Now, think, I want you to think about this. Your job, your retirement. Oh, here's the big one today. Your medical insurance. Oh, God forbid you get sick, then God's gone. Folks, I'm telling you, we only have one thing to guard. I guard my heart where passion is built. God guards the rest. Father, I want to thank you. You have made it simple. We complicate it. Help us not to complicate it. You are God Almighty, and you will. You will meet us with purpose, and you will meet us with mission if our passion is there. If we've given our heart to you, and we desire you, and, and run after you, we don't have to search for purpose, and we don't have to search for a mission. They will come to us. Holy Spirit of God, I'm going to step down and I just pray that you will just take a few seconds to speak to hearts. I pray that you'll challenge them about where their passion is. I pray especially, Lord, and I mean this, that we not be in a hurry to get to lunch real quick. Let us remember that we have some other family of God that are going to be publicly identified with Christ today. And we need to be part of that celebration. Spirit of God, just search our hearts now.